Welcome back to Straight to DVD. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another monumentous episode of Straight to DVD. We are joined once again by some very special guests, plus a new guest. Very exciting. And guess what? His name is also Sean, so this won't be confusing in the slightest. Raph, welcome back. Yo. Here we are once again. I feel like we should we should let our three guests introduce themselves again. Uh, tell us about their history with the Wachowskis, um, and then we'll go from there. Three characters. Sean, Sean, how about you start? <laughs> I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I went to elementary school with the Wachowskis, so this movie speaks to me on a very personal level. None of that's true, but I'm... I'm one of the Shans, and I'll go by three cats to make things less confusing. Uh, I, I I am another one of the Shans. I go by no banana suits, but we, I guess we'll go by we'll, we'll shorthand it to banana. Uh, my relationship to the Wachowskis is watched the movies twelve years ago once, and then all last week. <laughs> uh, um, hello, oh, sorry. I no, I am another Sean. Um. You can call me Welsh, Sean Welsh, whichever you prefer. Uh, my history with the Wachowskis is that I watched all the Matrix movies as a child when they first came out. I was very, very, very obsessed with them. And then rewatched them again, uh, I guess, three years ago now, something like that. And I had a four loco beforehand. So that was an interesting experience. Nice. Original formula? No, deep, unfortunately. How deep did that rabbit hole go? <laughs> Deeper than I wanted it to. <laughs> three cats, a banana, walk into a Welsh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Sean's welcome. It's lovely to have you here, Raph. Yo, what's up, dude? I feel like we usually do that at the end. Um, yeah, but you Sean's know. welcome. Bananas, cats, Welshes. We're we're happy to have you. Do you need me to go through my relationship with the Wachowskis? I, I want you to. I want you to say whatever you want. Okay, that that works. Um, I up until this movie, I'd only seen the OG Matrix. I purposely stayed away from the uh the sequels but after this one i'm kind of intrigued um so yeah what about you michael fantastic What's your relationship? okay well uh all right i feel like many of us are going to be similar uh on this the the og film came out right correct me if i'm wrong 1999 correct indeed matrix correct the mundo y2k baby extreme success Followed by Reloaded and then Rev- Revolutions, whatever the fuck it's called. Now, 20 years later, almost 20 years later, we get Resurrections. Great. A lot of us grew up with this franchise. Unbelievable. It, it's So much of what we see today is very derivative of The Matrix. Like uh, The Matrix, Resurrections. But... That said, I feel like we should start with the legacy of these films. So if this if this episode becomes a fucking what film is better, The Matrix Resurrections or Spider-Man No Way Home? <laughs> Jesus. Dude, that's we already exactly know the answer. That's exactly where we're going. I also I've been re- really refraining from making the three Sean's at the three Peters joke this whole time. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. We got all the workings here of our own No Way Home. Dude, you you waited a long time to drop that joke, huh? Hell yeah. Which one am I? Can I be Toby? Made it a whole three minutes and 40 seconds in. Sean three. (laughs) (laughs) 
we're going to de- we're going to derail the momentum, whatever momentum you try and build for this podcast. That's I mean that's completely fine. Uh, I so I guess the question is how do we want to tackle this? Would we like to just immediately? I feel like you can't really jump into this film without talking about the legacy of the three, particularly the original. You can. You can. Um, <laughs> I, we can. I also. I mean. I am I the one, the most recent one here to watch. Sorry, am I the one here to most recently watch all three? I think so. Yeah. Probably. Perhaps. Um, I guess the one thing I'll say about the three, the going into the fourth, is I am very glad I watched them. But also, I I enjoyed two and three more than I remembered enjoying them. I'm not going to say they're good, but I will say I enjoyed them more than I remembered enjoying them. And I think like the thing I took away from them is just that the Matrix ethos is just so fucking cool, even if it's a terrible movie. Um, which is something and, and a sentiment I think carried over very well and very properly into the fourth film. Um, that was probably my my bird's eye takeaway from rewatching the three. Very nice. <laughs> I had the same experience the last time I watched them too. I remembered thinking, oh my God, like two and three are so bad and like having that memory in my head and then watching all three in a row, I was like, first one's amazing. And then two and three, I was like, they're not fantastic, but there's still stuff in here that's working for me. I don't know. There's, there was some interesting thoughts and interesting creativity going into it. I was like, okay, I pulled out more of the good than I think I did when I was younger. How about you, Sean Patrick? Did you pull out more of the good? <laughs> Um, I recently, I didn't go watch, go back and watch, uh, Reloaded and Revolutions, but I did. What were you watching instead? I watched (laughs) a little movie called Clifford the Big Red Dog. Uh Uh-oh. I'll I'll, I'll save that that for the end. Shifting Uh, gears. Clifford Reloaded. 2021. Uh, but, uh, no, I rewatched, uh, The Matrix 1, and what's incredible about that movie is I think it's one of the best paced for a sci-fi movie, it's the pacing is incredible. Um, it like it's very clearly a movie where they knew exactly the story they wanted to tell. They had the beginning, the end of it, and they knew exactly what they wanted to hit. There's like no fat on the movie. It's pretty mm-hmm. incredible. And when you get into the later movies, it's clear that they had a lot of ideas, and a lot of them work, a lot of them don't. Uh, there's pros and cons to the later movies, but they don't have that snappiness that the first one have uh, has. They sort of meander and some of the stuff, it gets a little bit bloated. And I think that sort of continued into this movie, which is kind of the way I expected it to go. But uh, yeah, the first one is rock. I think you've said it many times. It's lightning in a bottle. It's, it's amazing, but uh, you know, there's, there's things I like and don't like about the other movies. Sure. Raph, would you like to chime in? Not really. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I think like I think for me coming coming at this at this new one from having only seen the first one, and I'm just going to take a moment to quickly plug another episode of ours where we talk about the OG Matrix and what makes it so special and why it's one of the best movies of all time. Uh, you can check that out on our feed if you're already you're already there because you're listening to this now. Um, but no, I think. I think it's a. Uh, I think it benef- Like I think I benefited from having only seen the first one and how I consumed and enjoyed this one, um, 
because to me, The Matrix is just that one movie. I never had that experience like soured by either of the sequels. Um, and I think like that kind of frame of mind of just looking at this as like a sort of direct sequel to the first one. Um, it really just, it like helped me enjoy this movie. I, I think we'll get, we'll get to this later, but I have a feeling that I enjoyed this more than anyone else on this episode. Um, but I don't want to jump too far ahead. Well, that, I mean that you, you raise a very interesting point here. And so this movie, like so many other films that are made within like the past five years that are both a, a sequel, a reboot, a soft reboot, a soft sequel, a soft whatever, they are all those things at once. Like this movie is the fourth film in the franchise. It is a sequel, but at the same time, it is a remake somewhat of the original while at the same time being a reboot. You can jump into this movie and watch it, not having seen the first three, and the story will still make sense whether you'd seen the first three or not. I can't will raise it? my hand, but I'm trying will to raise it? my hand. I'm trying to raise my hand. Yeah, we all disagree with what you right. what you just said. <laughs> I don't. I mean, we need what, another stew. Well, can you put it in a I, stew metaphor first? I would. I would. <laughs> what kind of food is this? I I would. I would argue that part of the reason you can watch this movie without watching the other ones first is because they spend a quarter of the movie projecting scenes from the first three movies <laughs> onto various surfaces. <laughs> so so you're much just watching the other movies as you're watching this one. Yes. <laughs> he lost his mic. That way. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I agree with what you said, Rock. Um, only because, like, I was actually going to ask Graf, like, how did you not watch two and three and then watch four? And at no point were you like, what the fuck happened? Like, well, I think I actually right. think it works better to watch one and then go straight into four actually eliminates a lot of the problems I had going into the movie, which was namely, how are you going to reopen the story that you very neatly tied off? at the end of three and basically left yourself no room for this kind of a sequel. But he doesn't die in one. No, he, he doesn't. But I, I think that to, to bring this conversation into like the larger context of the film industry that this movie is like clearly operating in. I think that's, yeah. that's like sort of the point, it, especially with like reboots and, and remakes and stuff. Like if you've only seen the original Jurassic Park, you can then jump into Jurassic World without having seen the the second two, you know, sequels. Okay, excellent. Well, the, all that said, now each of you, uh, one at a time, in your own words, uh, without copying he who comes before you. So whoever goes first is going to have the easiest time. I want you to describe the plot of the Matrix Resurrections. To the best of your ability, in your own words. Is this an explain like I'm five situation? Should we use? Yes. Okay. Uh, Jesus Christ comes back for no reason <laughs> to do nothing. Whoa. <laughs> Are you talking about the Matrix or the Bible? <laughs> yes. Yes. Is this revelations or. <laughs> 
Martin Scorsese's The Last Temptation <laughs> of Neo. <laughs> oh my God, The Passion of Neo. <laughs> okay, ban- okay, banana. Jesus Christ comes back for no reason. Great. To, to do nothing. <laughs> to do nothing. <laughs> Excellent. But not three days later, 60 years later for some reason. 60, mm. 60 years. Against his own will. <laughs> yes, after being tortured for decades. Right. He's happy mm-hmm. in the cave. Yes. <laughs> Jesus takes the red pill. <laughs> oh, that's a great sub. That's a good subtitle for the episode. <laughs> yeah. Again. Okay, oh, great. Jesus Christ. <laughs> great. I, okay, good. We got it. Uh, three cats. Your turn. Describe the plot. <laughs> this film. A gaming designer yeets himself off the roof of a building, and in so doing, ends up in therapy. And that's somehow more interesting than the past future digital technology heist that happens in the second half of the movie. Okay. Very nice. Mm. <laughs> uh, Welshman. Uh, John Wick is really sad. And Barney from how I met your mother is his therapist. And he tries to get over being sad. And in order to do that, he has to face his demons uh, come back to life, ca- kind of die again, come back to life again, and then he needs to find his girlfriend and save her from Barney. <laughs> With the help of some very charming uh, friends that he makes, Get including a flying on. bird, a robot bird. That's right. <laughs> Raph, you're... <laughs> um, this is tough. Uh, a-, a love story about a depressed gamer. I'm just repeating what everyone else is saying. Uh, you haven't mentioned Jesus yet, so you're good. Okay. True, true. Uh, the the one is taken out of his matrix to help the resistance fighters fight another matrix that is being made by the robots because uh, Warner Brothers needed more money to combat the evil <laughs> empire that is... Uh, Disney and, and Bob Iger and Kevin Feige, what they're building over there. Well, Bob Iger retired, so. All right, my, my bad. You won that battle, but not the war. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, obviously he's not there anymore. That have, Didn't you see The Matrix 4? <laughs> Dude. Neo watch out, watch yeah. out, Disney. <laughs> okay, very nice. Rock, four, ver- four, four very completely different descriptions, all still applicable <laughs> Rock, how about you um okay let's see without i'm gonna try not to repeat any of you uh okay 60 years after defeating elrond uh god is <laughs> finds himself trapped making uh, a video game ultimately realizes that he is depressed uh decides that he's going to commit suicide is convinced by a goth girl to go to tokyo realizes his past by meeting uh, a man made of magnetic beads. Then they are met by an invisible flying bird that houses an Indian woman. And the Indian woman in the flying invisible bird helps God get Mary Magdalene from the pod (laughs) inside the robot city. And then they both kick off Barney Simpson's jaw and then they fly away (laughs) together to a Rage of the Machines cover. Oh, you forgot that Mary Magdalene also becomes Jesus, kind of, or something. That's true. Oh, yeah. Right. Jesus is, Jesus is split in half. She may, in fact, be more powerful than he. 
That's true. I don't think she's Mary. Oh, so are, are we okay? Going excuse to me, Jesus. 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 No, no. Well, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Um, no. This is this, rock. This is something that we talked about in our in our OG Matrix episode. Um, yes. But to me, like the Morpheus Neo Trinity relationship is like it's literally the Holy Trinity, where Morpheus oh. is God, Neo is Jesus, and then Trinity is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Like the whole idea that Neo is able to revive himself after dying in the matrix is because of her love. Like that's the love of God. The three of them are in a way, all the same person and the same thing. You're describing Um, the Christian notion of the father, the son, the Holy spirit being one and the same. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's just the same thing in, in this movie. Like she's not so much Mary as she is. She's still, you know, the Holy Ghost that, that so, connects all of that together. So mm. Agent Smith is Mary Magdalene. Correct. No, he's uh he's the Romans. Mm. Pontius Pilate. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Okay. So old old Jetta Pinkett Smith is Judas. Sure. Mm. He's also the Black Messiah. Oh, Methuselah <laughs> is the obvious old person in the Bible reference, but <laughs> is wake up by rage against the machine is that just a hymn yeah <laughs> boy i gotta tell you that, that was not a very good cover that felt so out of place because like the the aesthetic of the original movie was that that grunge, grunge. That, like heavy kind of y2k stuff it, it felt at all out of place in this movie because from the very start of this movie i was like oh we're going on the nose none hmm. of Everything that was subtle in the original movies, and I mean that both in uh, how the plot develops and also in the overarching allegories to the Wachowskis' own lives and their transition, everything about that in the original movies was very uh, subtle and very, you know, uh, nuanced. In this, they were just hitting you over the head with a hammer with everything. It's, we're listening to, what's the fucking song uh one pill makes you larger the other oh my god yeah, that was like, brutal. everything I in this movie that. everything I in this movie was in so goddamn far from subtle like <laughs> nothing was nuanced it they're just gonna smack you in the face till you i just it. i really wanted rage against the machine to be the wachowski's lincoln park like how lincoln park is for Michael Bay. <laughs> Michael Bay. I just wanted every. I want every Matrix movie to end with a with a new like an original Rage song. That's bad. That's like really bad. <laughs> so Wake up's want- not bad though. Wake up's a good song. But isn't isn't Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine to end the first one? Isn't that super on the nose? Yes. Yeah, but it's nineteen ninety. It was it was nineteen ninety nine, so it's okay. It on was, the nose didn't exist yet. It was ninety nine, and that was the closer. If you're gonna be on the nose, <laughs> yeah. only doing it on the last thing in the movie, that can be like an impact. That can be like a statement moment at the like, end of a if, millennia. If it's yeah, if, if this movie, it was just like start to finish. That's what they're gonna do with every single beat. I kind of dug how on the nose it was, though. I actually don't. So the the white rabbit thing, yeah. Like I, but like the first hour of the movie, I actually don't think it's on the nose at right. all. Really, you, what all the gentlemen are describing, it needs to be stated that what is very difficult about discussing this movie 
is right around the midway mark, it becomes a different movie. We're discussing Mm. two movies here. Indeed. The first hour and like eight minutes, it's this sort of meta self-reflective commentary on actually making the film itself. And then the last half of the film becomes a heist movie. So Raph has something to say. I, I have I have so much to say. I have some I have some words. I think the how like on the nose and beating you over the head with the the meta ness of the first half. I think that's really just like set up for everything that comes after, where the movie it might feel like it's uh, like it's sort of becoming the thing that the first half is commenting on. But I think while it's doing that, it's still commenting on the state of making reboots and remakes and stuff like it's just taking that formula and applying it to this movie to say like, Hey, this is all that Hollywood is doing nowadays. Like they're just making reboots and remakes of like ghostbusters and other things that you enjoyed when you were a kid. And this is how they do them. They, they bring in like, the same characters that it really doesn't make any sense for them to be in this version. They're recasting certain roles of like the same characters and stuff. It's all still like, like the absurdity of, of the first half of the movie is to set up like the, the continued commentary that's there for the rest of the movie um, in a way that like, we're not supposed to lose that you're supposed to carry over that sort of, like ethos that they're that they're setting up in the first half well recap the the question i think that's going to this whole group is going to fall on different sides of this line is going to be uh, like you said the first half it sets up like the discussion of the the tropes of hollywood and the push for sequels and the push for that but the question is for everybody here is is the second half of that movie a sequel keeping those things in mind and doing its own thing or does the second half of this movie just become the exact thing that is criticized in the first half because hmm. uh, that's the thing i think rocket you and i had talked about this and i am firmly in the camp of the second half of this movie i was just like oh jesus christ come on it <clears throat> i uh yes um here is what is particularly frustrating to me I've watched this film three times <laughs> over the past week. That's, your first time. That's, that's frustrating to me. Yeah. Um, the first half of it has gotten better every time I've watched it. The second half of it has gotten worse every time I've watched it. Uh, I, I, really, I think the film is at its strongest when it is doing what you're describing. Raph. It's it's really commenting and willing to be something that we've kind of never seen in Hollywood before. Uh, producers allowing their artistic spearhead creator to make fun of them. That is pretty much what the first hour of this film is doing. Um, but as soon as Jesus Christ wakes up in this film, um, and he he leaves the cave. There's like there's it, it is kind of what Three Cats is describing. It's it's like the first movie again, but not as good or as interesting. And it feels like 
what it is commenting on in the first half rather than continuing to comment on it really does just turn into that. <clears throat> yes, Banana Man. Um, I I agree with like what everybody here is saying. And I, I agree, like I love the first half. I think the first half of the movie, like the first hour for me is actually like I mean, we'll probably do scores later, but just in terms of the first hour, I think it's literally a nine out of ten for me. Like I love it so, so, so much. It's so right up my alley. The second half falls off extremely hard. And I have so many gripes with it because the original trilogy has such a deep story to tell. Um, it has a very I don't want to use the word clear, clear narrative. It has a really cool narrative. That even though it gets messy sometimes, they still manage to tell it, um, and in like a similar way that's like Star Wars can tell this giant political narrative that's not very clean, but the ideas there are still very complex and very interesting. I think the Matrix trilogy is the same exact thing, and I have a lot of gripes with some of the things they brought from that trilogy into this movie, but and I have a whole list which I'm sure we'll get into. But at the end of the day, I still love this movie. <laughs> I love the whole thing. I don't know why. And like, I won't disagree with anybody that says it's bad at all. Like I don't disagree in any way, but personally I cannot for my own, my own mentality. I cannot get over how much I love the ethos of the matrix. It's just so cool. It is just so cool that as long as that, even if it's just vaguely there, the story, like I'm probably going to enjoy it. And now that we have cool 2021 CGI, I'm just going to love it more. Um, and I think they did do a good job of continuing the story overall. If this is a beginning, which is like another conversation. Um, if it's an end, I think it's kind of a shitty epilogue. If it's a beginning, I think it's a cool beginning. I feel very similar to this movie, how I did with The Force Awakens. Um, but... But yeah, that's that's kind of my general consensus. I I kind of love I kind of love it no matter what. Very nice, thank you, Banana Welsh. I have I have very similar thoughts. I think, <clears throat> excuse me. To me, the first half worked so well because it was doing this crazy meta thing and this this commentary that I thought was so fascinating. And then to me, the second half didn't work because it felt less like that commentary and more like they were genuinely trying to just make the seriousness of the matrix happen, which I just felt didn't work as well. I felt like, as we've said before, like this, it's two movies and I feel like both movies were done a disservice by trying to make them into one. Whereas like if the first half had been sort of an entire thing on its own of this retelling of the world, re reinviting us into it. And then the second half being its own story of like, okay, now we're going to have another sort of big battle, all of this, like, engagement i feel like with the matrix there's there's there are two core aspects to it which is literally part of the plot there's you know what's inside of the matrix and the dynamics of stuff that's happening outside of it and to me i always found that really interesting the stuff with like the last bastions of humanity how they deal with the machines how they deal with each other and to me that aspect was done the biggest like disservice in this film because that was just like rushed through so quickly in the second half and I wanted more time. I wanted to get to know the characters a bit better. I wanted to see more of IO. I wanted to, I found what they introduced really interesting, but the pacing was just so strange to me in how they kind of like barreled through that, that I was like, oh man, I would have liked that to be more of 
a film in and of itself. So it's like, I have the same response of loving the first half to the point where I was like, why is everybody, why is this such a contentious film? Like I'm loving it. And I've seen that happen with other places too. Like I was on Twitter earlier and I saw so many tweets from people saying, I'm 30 minutes into the new matrix movie and I love it. What's the problem? And it's like, just keep watching, you know, like, and then you'll, you'll kind of understand where a lot of this is coming from. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky. Cause like, I, I like the movie. I can't say I didn't like it, but at the same time, like uh banana said, if someone's like, I didn't like it, I can't be like, you're wrong. I'll be like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's a fair assessment. <laughs> that's very yeah. fair. I think I I still disagree with you guys. I think that, <laughs> I, I, yeah, go go. No, no, I was just gonna I, I was just gonna reiterate that I, I think the second half is is really continuing the like the whole meta commentary that the first half is setting up for us. Um, I think the way that like that like the rug is kind of pulled from underneath us, and the way that it like falls into those sort of tropes and things of reboots and remakes. Um, I think it's, I, I totally understand like, um, you know, how one can come to the conclusion that it, it, it kind of does a disservice to everything that they set up in the first half. But for just for me, like the way that I read it, um, cause I, I did find myself in, in moments during the, the middle portion of the movie, like starting to fall off and, and not really, and like no longer be on board with, with what was going on. Um, and then I just kind of like tried to recalibrate the way that I was watching the movie um, to to see it and to read it as a continuation of that first part. Um, like the movie it does ask a lot of you in terms of like buying into what they're doing. And it kind of f- like flips things on you. And it's really easy to just say, ah, they just they just went back into like those old silly tropes. They're just doing what every, everyone else is doing. Um, but I, I, I don't know for me that that's necessarily what was happening. And I think you are, I think you're very blessed with not watching two and three. Like, I think that's where that comes into a big, a big play of it, uh, or a big part of it, because when you watch two and three, um, there's a certain part in the matrix trilogy where the meta-ness is kind of stripped away. And that's like immediately as one ends, because after one, you're thrown into this like human machine war. The focus becomes way more on what's going on in the real world. And the matrix is kind of this like playground for them to dive into and have cool CGI fights. It doesn't really become like this philosophical question. It's like you plug in, you plug out, you fight in there. Don't die in there. Let's beat the machine. Let's figure out a way to beat the machines. And that that's that's kind of what the matrix becomes. I think that's why people say it like loses its grandeur after a while. And I, I think um, Lana did an amazing job of keeping things fresh in four and kind of reintroducing that meta conceptually. Like that's really hard to do. And I think it was actually really impressive that she was able to do it in this. And she made a lot of hard choices in this movie that are some of my gripes, but at the same time, she kind of made these necessary choices to keep it fresh. Keeping the Matrix 4 in 2021 fresh is like, that sounds like impossible, but she managed to do it, which is, I think is really impressive. But there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of like forced plot lines that come with it. And those are things that kind of stem from two and three things like, um, the dichotomy of like Smith and Neo. So they have like a very specific purpose, their relationship that is very neatly wrapped. Um, and it doesn't really make sense for him to be in this movie at all. Um, 
same with Trinity. Like, I love her so much as a character. I thought she was actually incredible in this movie. Carrie Moss was fantastic. The character was fantastic. I would but, argue she's probably the best actor in this movie. Oh, oh hands definitely. down. Keanu looked, Keanu looked like... Uh, actually, in, uh, like, her, and, her and Yam both go uh, neck and neck. I thought she was way better than Yam in this, if I'm being honest. I don't think Yam had much to work with, but I, but what I was saying is, I, there's 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 a lot of forced like plot lines that stem from two and three, like Neo and Trinity's relationship extending this far doesn't really make sense within the like story that was told in one, two, and three. Same with Smith and Neo, um, and that is some of my gripes with the movie. But like again. I think Lana made some like really fantastic choices to keep this f- fresh and interesting. And I, I love Trinity. I'm so happy she's back. I just wish it was explained to me better why she is now Im- imbued with the power of the one. Why mm-hmm. is Smith back? Explain that to me better than like, ooh, I'm back, baby. <laughs> you're making, you're making fantastic points. Something... Something to consider both about Trinity and Smith in this movie, and this is purely from an aesthetic standpoint, like even if they were to explain why they're both back, just think about how they are presented in this movie. In one, you have this amazing engagement with him and Neo in the subway. In two, it's the infamous fucking 100 of him uh, computer game park fight. In three, it's them flying around in the rain. And then in this one, they're fighting in, in the bathroom from Saw. <laughs> and then it's he like, saves. And then he saves them. I, I yeah. think. I think what that scene was was an attempt to try and capture some of the, because part of the thing that is so great about the original, and this will lead into another gripe of mine. But one of the things that is so great about the original is how dirty and just like. You know, they're fighting in that dirty stuff. Neo does the, like, hand thing and all this fucking dust comes off of him. Like, both the real world and parts of the Matrix were, like, very gross and broken down. And I think they wanted to capture some of that, like, you know, we're fighting in this derelict building, like, tiles falling apart, pillars we can punch right through. Um, but it, this movie did not have the same... Uh, you know, it didn't have that same consistent vibe of the, you know, the the breakdown of the, like the clean cut '90s world and the dirty subways and the dirty pipes. But I think where this movie really failed, I think everybody, every single person in this movie, was too hot. <laughs> Can't have people look this good, particularly outside the Matrix. There was a very big split in the original movie. Everybody's like in their leather and like crazy, like pulled back hair in the matrix. And then they get out and everybody's kind of like, ah, shit, uh, we're kind of beat up in this world. In this movie, you get out of the, the matrix. Everybody still hot, infuriating, hot, clean, eating strawberries, riding Sabebe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree completely. I think that's something that is a, a sensibility of mine with movies in general these days is that like, Maybe it has to do with, I don't know, like the the quality of like 4K cinema or how high def things are now. But like the Matrix, to me, I, we always go back to that term lightning in a bottle. Like that that 90s, early 2000s time period, there was like this this dirtiness, this earnestness to what they were creating. 
that I think just worked so well. Like all the actors were kind of kind of weird looking, like all of the lighting, the props. There was this grunginess to it, like a legitimate, and it wasn't like put on. It, to me, it always read as like a very legitimate picture of the world, or at least of America in the 90s. And to me now seeing everything in like super high definition with like all of this new, very shiny CGI, all these like hot, clean people <laughs> outside of the Matrix where it's like, that's the whole thing is it's like they're supposed to be like sweaty and like dirty. And I don't know, I feel like that's something you can't even necessarily recreate. That's not even a fault of the filmmakers. I just guess it's a, maybe just how jaded I've become or we've become to to technology these days. Like, I don't know that to me, the Matrix is about that, like, 90s y2k pre-cell phones pre-social media yeah yeah i i i hear you're saying because i think that's going back to what i was saying where she's like made some choices to make it feel fresh but they're also part of my gripes it's like why why it should have stayed in 1999 the the matrix wouldn't just have a reference to 2021 (laughs) they wouldn't just like a period piece (laughs) <laughs> yeah it kind of is honestly it yeah honestly that's a really is. good way of putting it it is i think it is a period piece um, but they do but say again they like that that's a great of, and i they say that we chose the height of your civilization and so far that's turned out to kind of be true <laughs> that that's a <laughs> that is a gripe of mine but that's something that i think she had to do to make this like again feel fresh and i think it works like uh, modernizing the matrix does work but it's I, like what I think is a your, lot of the things she did doesn't make sense in terms doesn't of make choices any sense for like that's color, color pad, color palette, and everything. Like at the end of the third Matrix movie, uh, the Paradise version of the Matrix post Machine War, it does sort of have that like more colorful palette, and she chose to bring that in. And I thought that would bother me. I thought I'd be one of those guys saying they're like Matrix is black leather. But uh, no, the additional color was actually like really interesting. And uh, I thought it made some of the scenes like really uh, visually appealing and work well uh, with what was going on. I think that choice was, you know, she that because that's a device of choice that makes a difference. But like, I don't know, some of these other choices in the movie just I. You you know what it, you know what it boils down to, man. It boils down to detail, <laughs> detail. Think about one like they they pull Neo out of once they unplug him, they pull him out of a dirty swamp or whatever, and you see you see the chain of the thing that pulled him up. It's disgusting, and it rolls up. You see the canisters that house their disgusting food. You see these cups that they drink motor oil out of. You see all these details. You see them rebuild his muscles because they've atrophied. atrophied, And then in this one, they can go anywhere. They can enter the Matrix anywhere. They can leave the Matrix anywhere. There's no rules to how it works. Mm -hmm. They can just do whatever the fuck they want. I I was going to ask what we thought about. My two questions were, what do we think about the new technology introduced and what do we think about the new rules or lack thereof regarding the matrix world? Raphael, we haven't heard from you. you know, there, there is just one thing that I wanted to circle back on and, and it's not really that important, but um, I think we do need to talk about it. Is this podcast officially coining yam for Yaya Abdul? Who are we? Oh, referring? Okay. Sure. <laughs> I was I, sure I, who I, yam is. Oh, I'm Morpheus sorry. Smith. 
I thought about Morpheus Smith. Morpheus Smith. Uh-huh. No, Agent Yam, Morpheus. <laughs> if he is not already marketing himself as Yam, that's that's, that's a awesome. big mistake. What is the <laughs> origin of Yam? It's a big yikes. Uh, yeah, yeah. His initials. Mateen. Yeah, his his initials. Oh, the acronym. His okay, favorite Thanksgiving weird. side, dude. <laughs> that that too. Wait, was that? That's assumptuous. Uh, uh, <laughs> why did you assume that? Um, yeah, why did you assume? <laughs> but no, the other thing that I wanted to circle back on was, was like the the color palette choice. Um, I I kind of agree with with three cats. I I do think that it worked, and I do think that it was an intentional choice to within the matrix kind of remove that that uh that like green hue that's there in, yeah. in the original and i assume in the in the second two as well um to make like the matrix world a like there there's like a big like blue sort of overtone in the in the color palette um and i think like the obvious to me the obvious choice with that was uh like the fact that they are continuously trying to blue pill neo to keep him within this mm. new matrix yeah um as opposed to like the green hue, which is the mm-hmm. the like old school computer coding uh, yeah. sort of you know color that that we see in in the the nineteen ninety nine OG version. Um, I just thought I thought that that was like a cool choice, and it does work in both the keeping it fresh and also like using filmmaking tools and techniques to like further enrich your story, which is obviously not something that we see in a whole lot of movies that that come out these days um so that was just like kind of refreshing to know that mm-hmm. there's a director making actual choices it might yeah. not be something that you agree with but you know it's still it's still there no i, I actually love the i actually when we, we did a group watch with everyone here except raf um last week <laughs> I, I think rocco was in charge of the guest list so no, it's, it was on xbox let him know that's cool uh <laughs> But uh, but when we were watching it, I think I actually mentioned I said I love the color grading in this, and and Welsh here actually brought up a really good point, which was like it feels like 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 you said the first three kind of feel like you're in an, like a computer, like an old binary computer. This one felt like you're more in a video game, which I thought was like really cool and like super accurate. And I, I love the color grading in this. I thought it felt amazing. I was very impressed by it. You know this this is all very like technical film talk and i think you guys know what you're talking about and raise a lot of good points it bothers me that they can just walk out of any mirror yeah just any mirror (laughs) gotta keep it fresh dude just walk in too there's no like upload process dude they have to hack the mirror they have to hack the mirror uh what do you think the mirror represents fuck Fuck your life Fuck the Matrix, Bing Bong. <laughs> I think that they, they step through a mirror and they end up more... in Coney Island. <laughs> Coney Island in the 1990s. That is the true peak of human civilization. If if they had worked Bing Bong into this movie, it would have been a better movie. If we can get Bing Bong working. <laughs> I think uh, what Three Cats just said is kind of goes back to my my issues with the second half. Just the About feeling Bing of like. Bong? Of Bing, of Bing Bong, it all comes back to Bing Bong. Um, just, I don't know the, the the pacing to me. I think part of that is that we lost more of that sense of the the gravity of what the Matrix is, and like the seriousness of going in and out of it. It felt like the stakes of that were, to me at least, like kind of non-existent. In like the first three, it's like, oh, if you die in the Matrix, you die in real life. Like you gotta 
you got to jack in and you can't just jack out. I almost said something else anywhere. It's like you, <laughs> you jack on and then you jack back off. Exactly. And like you, you can't you can just do that anywhere. Yeah. That's the thing. Like in the originals, there was more of that sense of like kind Middle of, of showing it. If you want to, yeah, you got to go in the bathroom <laughs> on Andrew, a bullet train in Tokyo. And then Andrew Garfield, where I jack, jack out. And then Andrew Garfield comes in, Ooh. smashes the laptop in front of you. Every time you leave, you leave the matrix. <laughs> There was just that sense of, I don't know, to me, I think gravity is the biggest word I can use for it. Like the I, second half felt like just this kind of rush through like, oh, we're in, we're out, we're having a fun time. I almost like felt too fun, which is a weird complaint to have, but I feel like there wasn't as much gravity to the Matrix. I, I will bring up the fact that I, I think one of the things that works in the original movie is that the stakes are so, despite it being this big, complex, like sci-fi meta thing, the stakes are extremely simple. Machines, humans, both trying to kill each other, one trying to escape. It's the, you know, you have your two defined sides in the movie, protagonist and antagonist. In this movie, I mean, interesting choice that, you know, there's been wars with the machines and now we're fist bumping little Transformers 2 robots in the middle of the scene. <laughs> oh my God. But, A two like, from uh, Transformers 2 interesting choice but it muddle it very much muddies the waters of who is who and what's going on and who's on what side and why do yeah. we give it and that. I, I, actually, <laughs> I, I was gonna say i think that's interesting and i actually like that it goes there i just wish it was more built sure. out i, yeah. I agree In, it's interesting and i i i'm happy they're willing to go there i just want you to do that better I, I, <laughs> yeah 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 I, I will argue on behalf of uh, the notion that the, the the muddying of the waters in terms of who's on which side, in terms of you know humans versus machines, is also very much so a commentary on like the state of not only the movie industry but just like those who are uh, who have woken up to rage against the machine and those who have not. Where we're in like a like a time that is extremely uh you're either like with us or against us uh there's like a lot of hive mind mentality and you know those who are uh with the suits and the machines uh there there is you know a, a certain uh portion of of those folks who do want to work with those who are you know real human beings and those who are awake in the real world but on the flip side of that there are those who are awake uh to what's going on you know around us are in a way kind of a detriment to whatever that cause may be. And I think like the whole like Jada Pinkett Smith character, I think that she is kind of like the prime example of that. Um, and just like how she operates and what she wants uh, the resistance fighters to do. And I guess what she wants them to not do in terms of helping Neo. Um, I think that, that, I think that that argument is there and like can be made that there is an actual point as opposed to just like, hey, this is a Matrix 4 and like nobody knows what's going on anymore. Well, I, I agree. And I'm glad you bring up uh, Naomi. It's character. Yeah, because she is, you know, I, the, I really liked what they did with her character that she's not like supportive of doing this like crazy missions against the machines and she's they gave her a really interesting arc and then she gets one over because a bird flies up 
It's just like I'm in Jaku. The, the only <laughs> I actually didn't... like they had really great ideas and didn't know how to get from one to the other. So they were just like, so I, you know, uh, an invisible bird comes up and we do it. I I, I, don't, had his I didn't hand up for seven years. Well, a uh, guy SJ, uh, uh, excuse me, Mister Banana Phone, uh, answer <laughs> the three cats, and then, no, and then I'll, just, I'll say I was them. just gonna say like I. I I really like I love Niobe and I, I at first I just thought like the presentation of her was like really mismanaged in this. Agreed. She she saw she saw Jesus Christ save humanity. Literally she was like 20 feet away from being shredded <laughs> apart and they all retreated in front of her because Neo literally saved them all. And the second she comes he comes back she's like shut the fuck up. <laughs> like it's you know what I mean? it's like it was like it was like he is it's literally the return of the savior of humanity and she's like don't speak. <laughs> well, her line is fucking bullshit. She says, I never believed in one. Her big moment in yeah, the third yeah. is, I don't believe in the one. I believe in him. It's like, what? Like, come, shut the fuck up. Shut, <laughs> shut the fuck up. But I agree with what, what Sean is saying and, and what Raph is saying. It's like, she, she went through everything she went through and now she wants to like protect. She, she's having a different like point of view on the cause and like what she wants for her civilization which i totally think is great it's just present that better please i yes. think it's yeah. i think it's just a a matter of of how we read it because like again because i haven't seen the sequels i don't know the specifics of like the literal progression of of plot points in terms of like how she got to where she was and like why she might think a certain way i i thought that her character was more so a representation of like folks who are for lack of a better word, woke, um, like folks who are woke and want to kind of control everyone else who is woke to do what they see best for that woke population, as opposed to truly letting those people like make their own decisions and come to their own conclusions about what is right and what they should be doing in the world. So can that be a different character though? I, I mean, I guess it could be, and I guess, you know, because of the specifics of like her, her like character's literal progression within yeah. the other movies, it doesn't make sense. But again, I haven't seen those, so I, I didn't know that. If, 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 if it is portrayed in a more compelling and fleshed out way, it's fine that it's still her. Uh, to tie in what you guys are all talking about, uh, Three Cats, you know, you were talking about stakes before. That's literally Niobe's purpose in this movie is to be an opposition in the back half to make it so they don't just go into the Matrix immediately and then the film ends 45 minutes earlier than it does. <laughs> there, Literally, there's like three scenes in a row of her being like, I, I won't let you put Io at risk. Also, why is Io at risk? Because they're going into the Matrix. That's never explained. They're, they're, they have like a, a hologram to protect them. There's, there's, there's no reason that they're put at risk by doing this. They were doing this prior to that and they weren't at risk. But... The, the the issue is is that not only is she opposed to this, but the resolution of that is that oh she feels bad. So okay, they can do this, and that scene happens twice. Um, first, it's with the woman who grows strawberries. It's the strawberry lady, and then it's with the invisible <laughs> bird. That scene happens twice. Uh, so you know, it's just it's the issue of the back half of this film being crafted in such a way to get us to where we need to be. That's essentially it. That's, that's why I think the whole Niobe thing seems very wishwashy and why IO is not really fleshed out at all. 
we go there. Like, think about Zion. Think about fucking the first time we see Neo in Zion, how he's walking around. There's this huge party. We see how all the machines work. We see their water infiltration system. We, you know, we, we see the military. Yes, exactly. Everybody's grinding without shoes on. It's very exciting. I was going to just say, like, um, what were you gonna oh, say? Oh, 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 what were you gonna oh, say? Yeah. Huh? I, I was gonna say. Sorry, I got I got distracted by my my Zion fantasies. But uh, I, I was gonna say that uh, Niobe. Wouldn't it be safe to assume that Niobe and Trinity are like very good friends? So when when Neo's like, oh, he, Trinity is alive. Don't you think Niobe would be like, oh shit? <laughs> remember, like, this is Jesus Christ saying this to you. Not like. Eh. <laughs> like no thank you <laughs> my, <Yes>. my <laughs> just on a on a purely technical note now that as long as we're talking about niobe's character i don't know if i'm alone in this i was very put off by the weird age makeup or cgi or CGI. however they did that I'm cgi certain it was all cgi i uh, i don't quite understand why they went in that direction because i it's nothing against jada pinkett's performance hmm. or maybe maybe it is i don't know it was just something about that just did not hmm. read true to me it was like because it, it, she's acting opposite of an actual old woman at one point too who is her friend or, or in a relationship that wasn't i wasn't totally clear on that but like nice you get this you get this contrast of like an actual old woman and then Jada Pinkett's like strange CGI old pretend yeah. old woman voice that she's doing and it was like did, I did don't know her eye glow for some reason yeah one of her or eyes was that? like all wonky for some reason too it's yeah like, there'll be a graphic novel that explains why yeah that or an, or an MMO yeah or another MMO she like she's such an important part of the film and it just <clears> for some reason every time she was doing this performance it was very i don't know it was just distracting to me like didn't read as true as some of the other characters that were on screen at the same time i don't know it's like no i agree um if they did that i'm trying to think if that's the actress who played sati i didn't look this up i assume they didn't get the uh, same priyanka priyanka chopra oh is that her yeah i didn't even realize yeah she didn't play that in the original one right no, no, that was like a like a four year old. Well, I it's been it's been over twenty years since. Yeah, people do age. That's but true. she was but she was in the Matrix. Yeah, but then she's an adult in this one. But not sixty years an adult. Yeah, that's you true. Like she's she, yeah, like in program time, like she's just a hot young woman now. Why'd you add hot? <laughs> because, because that's 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 the whole shtick right is like all the programs are like very attractive people like these very chiseled like nphs and jonathan groffs hell yeah i'm telling who are you telling <laughs> you know you know can i can i go through uh, a a list of my a list of my grapes yeah. hell no okay see you later <laughs> we've already covered most of them one of the big ones for me was I think the ghost programs was one of the biggest cop outs I've ever seen in a movie. Oh yeah. Especially when we realized that the last time we watched it that they say they can interact in the real world within reason. And then he is Spider Man leaping through Machine City. 
And, Dosex and marketing of, his way. And one of them is the captain of a ship. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't <laughs> even be- catch that. The beads man in the scene where she asks for the captains to volunteer, one of the people who steps forward is a beads Holy man. shit. I didn't Is that the German that. guy or the Jack dude? Or uh, or neither. I think it's neither. I think that's a different beads guy. The German was the strawberry German, yeah. Or no, no, no. Strawberry German. No, yeah, 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 yeah. The no, one the who was like, getting the there. Movie. He's a German robot for some reason. Yeah. He's yeah. very excited about the blueberries. LOL. Oh yeah. yeah he's he like, go vote. Dude, red and blue. How about that? Did you guys catch that? Yeah. Whoa, dude. Oh, well, actually, it's uh, uh, dude, it's like the pills. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. How about that? I actually didn't catch that. Thanks a oh, lot. Wow. Killer attention uh, to detail. Can I can I mention another gripe of mine? Yes. Not a single person in this movie died. Mm. It's a good point, Drew. There we are <laughs> no emotional. <laughs> yeah, I did. There, it's like the a... opposite. They actually come back to life. <laughs> like literally everybody, every moment in which uh, there is like a natural point in a story for somebody's road has ended. Like they just keep like, in them. the original matrix we meet all these characters who we like and then we they get them get ripped away from us violently and it really drags you into the story and gives you a sense of how brutal this war between machines and humans is in this one she's like hey all the computer people are zombies now send me in i'm just gonna shoot this car with a machine gun and i won't hit the people inside also and- i'm sorry fucking People that are now NPC robots will never be more interesting than the aesthetic of three agents chasing you. They yeah, just never will. It, it, it yeah. was a trade-off for that, that's, uh, zombie, like, horde mode joke from NPH uh, I, and the agents. My or, take also, on that... Go for, go for it. I was going to say, my take on why they did that is because you can't... Obviously, like you said, we see the hunt, we see the thousands of millions of Smiths in the last movie. You can't really go down from there, but you can't do it again. Right. So that's and why I feel like they they do that because it's like you ha- once you have the entire matrix against you, once that's the bar, you can't really like go down. I, but you I can't do have you can't have millions of Smiths again. And I did think that the uh, human torpedo people. Uh, I love that. Actually, that was great. I, I thought that sequence was like a good action ramp up because yeah. you're always looking for a new, like in these movies, for better or worse, there is always sort of an action sequence. And they, I thought that was an original, like yeah, same piece. Are we talking about the 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 people in the Matrix who aren't really people, but they're just like Matrix programs who are yeah. essentially zombies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm again going to go back to my uh, this whole movie is is commentary bit um and then i just thought that those zombies were about like the zombification of people who love and adore the reboot remake sort of uh like ilk of filmmaking and will just blindly follow whatever new remake or avatar 3 is is being made and will like (laughs) say that no way home has everything that you could ever want from a movie i i like it's the it's people who, higher rating than the than the Goodfellas. Uh, okay, so my my bad. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, but it's it's like uh, it, it's still it's just more it's more commentary on on like the state of the movie industry and how we consume. Like we just so many people are are and 
this is going to sound like a dig against general audiences. And I guess it kind of is, but I don't want to like disrespect folks, but so much of our movie consumption is just like, we will blindly follow whatever IP is giving us new pieces of content instead of like actually, you know, seeking out and enjoying fresh, original, artistic films and ideas that are being presented to us. Like that's the whole point of the zombie genre as a whole and to like bring them in and make them like zombies like that. I just thought it was more commentary than it was like easy cop out for the sake of storytelling. But again, I I think I, I would agree with you if they didn't very specifically say that they're programs. But so programs are not programs. Like they are still part of the machine. Right. And like those, the, the desire for movies that only offer fan service is like very much so part of the machine. Like the fact that no way home is so successful is just because it offers, it offers us fan service. It's not because it's a fresh, good movie that is doing interesting things. It's just because it gives us what we want. And like that in itself is part of the machine of like why the industry is in such a shitty place right now. Is this where I defend no way home or is that? Not yet. I, wa- I was going to say <laughs> you, you brought up no way home. I think those movie, these two movies are wildly similar in a lot of ways. I think this movie is more common on movies like No Way Home than it is similar to No Way Home. I think we're stripping away a lot that No Way Home does outside of three Spider-Men for 20 minutes. I think this movie makes a lot of comments, but I think this movie at the same time also it makes the same assumptions about relying on prior IP and prior properties. It literally shows the first Matrix and scenes from every single can I I propose? Can I propose a truce? Can Can we say... The Rise of Skywalker instead of No Way Home. <laughs> we can do, if it we means do we don't have to talk about Marvel, I'm fine with that. <laughs> we, we can certainly do that because right, The so Rise of back. Skywalker is 100% operating within that same that same realm. Yeah. Like, it's probably it's, a lot worse, but yeah. yeah. I will yeah. say, lighting and angle-wise, I do have to give the tip of the cap to No Way Home because the dramatic kiss at the end of No Way Home is shot lit and angled exactly the same in this movie and no way home came out first so they they got to they got to the punch first i do have to give them that score john watts (laughs) (laughs) mike you've been quiet over there what's what's on your mind yeah okay well i mean i i you're all making very good points. And I, you know, I'm thinking about this, this climax of this film. Okay. And, you know, earlier we were talking about steaks and I keep going back, not the kind you cook that Cypher eats in the first one. I, I keep, I keep <laughs> going back and thinking about. I know the steak isn't real. Yeah. The steak was telling so my good. mind that oh it my is God. juicy and delicious. Um, I think about the climax of the first Matrix film and how how fucking exciting it is and why it is so exciting because our protagonist is fighting the embodiment of everything that is pushing against him. And by the skin of his teeth, he manages to defeat that thing in one-on-one combat in this subway sequence. And we see the futility in that moment of his success of his triumph because the forces he's pushing against 
are so vast and how what he has just defeated literally just pops out of the subway car again because he is fighting against not a person but a system. That is why the stakes at the end of the first one are so exciting and why ultimately his aside from the last like five minutes when he dies and comes back to life like Jesus, he has to then run away. His final act as a protagonist is essentially to run away and escape. That is, it's exciting. It's like, holy shit, I can't beat this. I have to run. And then, you know, that is why I think two and three aren't really as exciting, regardless of their subject matter as one, is because our protagonist is now flying around. He is a superhero now. He can't, bullets don't do anything against him. He can fly wherever he wants. The most exciting sequence of Reloaded is when the protagonist is removed from the action sequence. When it is Trinity and Morpheus on the highway sequence fighting for their lives, Neo's 500 miles away flying to them. That is the most exciting s- sequence in that film because our characters are, don't have limitless potential and because they have to survive. And the climax of that sequence is they're saved now by the superhero. Nothing like that really happens in in resurrections and that's why i think the end is so frustrating especially us uh, uh banana like you're talking about setting up for two more installments now we are dealing with two jesus christs now we are dealing with two superheroes and what we were saying why we love trinity so much is because in spite of the fact that she's not a superhero she still fucking goes toe-to-toe with these agents she's still a badass and now she is reduced to just being a superhero like neo it is immensely frustrating to me. Anyways, that's what I got. You don't think at the end of this one they're still fighting against a system? I do, but I, I I think that given the nonchalance and offhanded joking of the last lines they have, it doesn't matter. The system can't do anything to them. Mm-hmm. They are now the system. That, that this is actually why. So this is actually why I think I like two and three more than I remembered liking it is because those stakes are kind of shifted to the real world storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start to like dip into like all of the things that the, the, the Raph, I don't know if you know this, the big plot twist in two is that you find out that the machines have, that the matrix is programmed and the one is a programmed piece of the matrix that has happened five, six times over. And the machines have destroyed Zion six times previously. (laughs) (laughs) And the way that they were able to blend like those digital stakes with the real world stakes and have the, like you're saying, have the, have the tension kind of shift from like this digital fighting to this real world war is actually why I think I, that being able to blend it over is what I really enjoyed. And in this one, it feels like they just, once they leave the matrix, it kind of fails to do a similar blending of tension. Um, I, I think it has the tension, but the tension is just all front loaded in the movie. No, but the t- that tension's all di- in the matrix. I'm saying, like, once they leave the matrix, oh, I always never. They're not it. able. They're not able to carry that over into what the real world tension was in the first three, which was like actually really well done. Um, and 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 I think part of what ruins that is like these Dos Ex Machina programs that can fly through pipes and save Trinity and these invisible 
ghost birds. You know what I mean? It's like I, a lot of, and then a lot of those things take away from the futility that you're talking about, Rock. It's like the futility shifted to the real world in in Matrix Two and Three, instead of being in the Matrix Matrix itself. And that, then, and then right. in this that, one, there's barely any futility. It's like that, the machines. You make the an excellent point. Are up against the wall. That is precisely why the machines mount an offensive in the real world is because now they can't win in the digital one. That is exactly right. Um. I the the stakes in this one, like the threat. I think you could have had that, but the threat to Io was never fully explained. It was just like, oh, it could be a risk to Io. How? Mm. But I, I also, think what happened to Zion? It's gone. They it got yeeted, bro. They couldn't grow I, strawberries there, so they moved. I think a lot of the things I liked about this movie are the same things that Raph liked, and I think this movie could have been better served if you you could have made the first half of this movie. I think this movie should have ended. I I'm torn because it goes back into the whole idea of like sequels and open possibility and uh, endless IP, but like. I think this movie could have ended with Neo walking through the door to the real world when she gives him the pill and she's like, all right, you got to follow me. And he goes into, I think it takes him to the theater. It's before the whole trace program, but you could have made a very compelling movie about this guy who thinks that the first matrix was a computer game that he wrote him losing his grip on reality. Cause that's what the first thing, the first half of this movie was, was like, you're questioning neo's sanity and he's questioning his own sanity and i think him choosing to go through that door could have been a much more interesting stopping point than adding a whole different heist movie onto the end of it because you are taking the words out of my mouth i i don't i i don't think they're uh, the first half seems so much better thought out and, and it, I, it, it completely derailed for me in the second half. I, I think you could have cut it off there and then created a new, given yourself at least some time if you wanted to explore those other ideas. Very nice. Raph, go ahead. You, uh, the, what I wanted to say was uh, something I've been reading online in regards to this movie, um, and it's not something that necessarily popped into my head the, the first time I watched it, and I did want to give it a rewatch for the sake of this, but I wasn't able to. Uh, but I, I've seen folks say that, you know, while the, the first half is like a, a whole meta commentary on the state of of movies and reboots and all, all that good stuff, the second half, when it kind of turns into this just like simple, dumbed down uh, sort of love story between Neo and Trinity, um, they're kind of saying that, that what Lana's doing here is she's saying like the only response to that kind of fan servicey reboot filmmaking is to just make something that's like extremely earnest and like heartfelt and just, like love stories are always something that that people are going to be drawn to and to kind of just make the movie about that is to say like the only response to all of this crap that we receive is to just go back to very simple um kind of of story of storytelling but to do it in in an honest way because folks will always always connect to that and even if you are telling the same story like 
we've we've heard the, the same stories over and over again, but they're just told in in different ways with different characters. And I think that's a line early in the movie. Like the original Matrix, yes, it is something that's super original, but at at its core, it's a Christ narrative. Like we already we know the story of Jesus Christ. We know that he 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 dies and comes back. Like that's what Neo does. All of like the best Kurosawa movies are retellings of Shakespeare. Like that's that's all we have to do in order to to combat that sort of just like here's an IP property, here's another IP property, here's a reboot, here's a remake, here's a sequel, you know, eat it up, consume, consume, consume. Um, but the only response to that is to just go ahead and make like very simple stories, but to do it in a in an effective way. And like she might not be doing that in this movie, but it is an attempt at that, which is something that's like pretty admirable because we don't see a lot of it. I don't, I think that Lana is, she is a very, very good filmmaker and may well have thought through of the implications of every one of these things. But I also think she does get a lot of credit because she is Lana Wachowski and people know that she is a good director. If this exact same movie had come out directed by John Watts, only thing different about the film is just it says directed by John Watts. Could we give it the same, uh, like, you know, at least this is an attempt at saying something or is do we reserve that because that- I, I don't think, I don't think we would feel that way if it were directed by John Watts. <laughs> I wouldn't feel I, a single thing if it were directed by I, <laughs> I was I was going to save this as part of my like uh, wrap up, but Raph, you already bring the point up. I think ultimately we are dealing with something very special here, something that is made by a human being with or, or an artist, if you will, with a perspective. And regardless of the inconsistent quality of it, I think it is admirable because it is executed fully. And it is just one person trying to do something. It's literally like, oh, here's this painting and like, holy shit, like a human being sat there and painted this thing. But I really think that like the bottom half of the canvas, like all the paint just sort of dripped off of it and like muddled together. And now it's just kind of I don't see anything below there. But man, the top half of that painting looks really, really nice. That's sort of how I feel about this film. It's the it's the Zack Snyder argument. Right, like you might whoa, you whoa, might whoa. not like the movies that that, that Snyder makes, Lord like and Savior, Zack Snyder. <laughs> you may you may think that that Snyder's Justice League is is ridiculous and like an absurd movie that serves no purpose. But at the end of the day, like it you're is. It, well, one one you're wrong, and two two it, it's it's we come we always come back to this word of admirable like it's admirable for a director to have a vision and to see that vision through in their movie and i will take that 10 times out of 10 over something that just feels like an excuse to get into my pocket and i think at the end of the day like i don't know if we're wrapping up yet but for me like that's how the matrix matrix 4 feels it's a movie that is made by a person with a with a clear vision and they went out and tried to execute that to in order to tell me a story in a cool and interesting way. And that is something that I will always give more weight to than just, all right, here's something that you know, give, give me your money. I do agree with everything you're saying. Does that extend to Josh Trank's Fantastic Four? Um, he did have a vision. 
there, 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 there's always a limit with with that. There's an exception to every rule. Yeah, and it's it usually comes in the form of Josh Trank's Fantastic Four or Todd Phillips's Joker. Like those are movies with visions um, that are just bad, but there's still like a a direction that they're they attempted to go in um but everything else just yeah. falls flat. Ultim- ultimately the thing that you're trying to do needs to be admirable and the failure in pursuit of the admirable thing is still worthy of recognition if the you know pursuit is bullshit then oh failing to reach bullshit is bullshit so <laughs> damn you said it jay that was eloquent <laughs> So um, my my thing yeah. my thing I, I'll say is like rewatching them. I found myself like really really engrossed in like I said in the ability of them to like blend over the Matrix stakes and the real world stakes, and the 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 theme of like free will and how layered it is in the in the movie in the first three is like so compelling to me. Especially that big plot twist in two, where you find out like there's there's like there's layers of free will right the first layer is they they choose to be in the matrix or not the second layer is now that they're out they actually think that they're bringing down or they have a chance to bring down the matrix by finding the one and doing that but you find out that that's actually been programmatically controlled by the machines for hundreds of years and that that actually still is not free will um and then the third layer is that the oracle adds the X, the, the new factor of Trinity to give the one an actual choice because before that there there was no there was no reason for the one to never save humanity over and over again or like 20 of them over and over again um, she introduces Trinity to give a third layer of free will which is now you choose do you save humanity or do you save the one you love um, and the the Wachowski's ability to do that really really encapsulated me especially re-watching them um those stood out to me more than like where's the cool kung fu you know what i mean like like when when we when we went back when we, when we went into a cgi machine world those themes were so prevalent that i was really actually enjoying the movies and i think the first hour of this movie starts to set that up but then when it veers off of that you kind of like you start to dip into this realm where it's like, I understand you're trying to tell a cool story. And I, again, I, I really respect some of the choices she made and I enjoyed the movie, but like when you step away from some of those things in the second half of this movie, it's just like Trinity's role in the trilogy had a very clear and fulfilled purpose. So like the way she's presented in this movie doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. Same with Smith those dichotomies just like don't really need to exist anymore. Um, and they totally can. It's just like, I don't know. The presentation of them was just not there for me. Um, it just felt kind of stuff like stuffing. Like uh, there has to be Smith there has to be Trinity. Um, you know, I don't know. That, that, I like that, yeah. Hell yeah. Dude, no way home. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, but yeah, I think overall that's that's just kind of where my disappointment lied in the movies. It was just that those like heavy themes didn't seem to like parallel into this one. Um, but the end and end of the day, I'm going to tell everyone I like this movie because I actually really I I just 
when it ended, I really enjoyed it. When Trinity says, my name is Trinity, and like just fucks, fucks everybody up in that... <laughs> And what was it? What was the, what was the coffee shop? What was the coffee oh, shop gosh. called? Oh gosh, latte. latte. And sure kills was. everyone. You you mentioned Deus Ex Machina multiple times before the name of the video game company Neo. Oh, is Deus Ex Machina? Well, that's also Deus Machina. I think that's also that is the name of the the big machine that he talks to at the end of three. That is that program's name. Oh, that is true. Yeah. Wow. It's all connected. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so that is kind of where I fall. like I I I I I really enjoy the movie. I actually really hope we get five and six because again, I think this this could serve up as a cool opening. I guess in some ways it works as an ending. It's kind of a messy ending, messier than three, I think, if that's the case. But um, I would love to see more. I, like we said, Lana's fantastic. Carrie Moss is fucking amazing. I, I would love to see more of it, but. We'll see. Um, at the end of the day, I, I love the movie. Even if, and if someone says it's horrible, I'm not going to disagree with that. Esther, very nicely and concisely said. That's a good way to start us off in our, our wrapping up. So all of that said, in terms, let's do on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate The Matrix Resurrection? Uh, here's what I'm going to say. First half of the movie, 9 out of 10. Second half of the movie, like 5 out of 10. So I'll probably like say the actual movie was probably like a 6 maybe like a six, six and a half. Um, but personally, like, again, I, if I'm like, just, I'll watch this movie probably a couple more times. I'll probably just start watching all four now. I really enjoyed it. Very nice. Hell yeah. Who, who would like to hop in next? I suppose Recap, Welsh. Uh, it, it's, it's a really hard movie to rate for me. It's genuinely very hard because there is this love for the franchise, this love for the world that colors my opinion of it. Um, like even when things don't work very well for me, I still want there to be more matrix stuff like that alone makes me enjoy it. Um, it's tough. Like, like banana said the first half of the movie, I would give a much higher rating than the second half. I guess it's almost like a, like a 50, 50 for me. Like if I was rating it on a five point scale, it'd be like a, three out of five so on a 10 i guess but that's the thing i'm like oh like a two or a three but then i'm like no but there's parts of it that deserve more than that so i guess i would say like a six and a half out of ten something like that if i'm being like very as as harsh as i need to be i think that's probably where i'd put it yeah and i think we're i think we're similar in that like my rating and your rating probably doesn't reflect how much we actually enjoyed it yeah that's like (laughs) me trying to be like very analytical about it because like yeah exactly yeah like if i really got to put a number on it but it's like it's it's hard to say it's like i just have a i got a feeling about it you know that's hard to put into to a number well it's hard to be critical of something that there is nothing else like it you know indeed uh three cats let's hear from you Allow me to be critical of something that nothing else is like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did. Uh, I, to be fair, I, I there are a lot of things in this movie that I really did like. And like you guys said, the, uh, the first half more so than the second half. But what it comes down to for me is whenever, particularly with sequels and everything, whenever a sequel is made, the biggest question for me is, is there a story to be told? And a 
Like, does somebody care about this story, thought it all the way through, figured out all the angles to it. And uh, I can't necessarily say that was the case with this movie. I think there was parts of an idea, uh, but it didn't fully answer that question for me or check that box. And uh, so I think in that regard, it did sort of fall into the trap of being the thing it was criticizing in the first one. Uh, but it's, and especially if they end up doing more movies, uh, I don't know how you keep up that meta perspective that it has. Uh, but for me, if I'm going to put a number on it, um, just for the sake of humor, I think I gave Spider-Man No Way Home a 5.8 and that's what I'll give this. Round No Way Home up to a 6. Very No Way Home the same movie. Very nice. Three cats. Thank you. Raph, like your co-host, I think you are the most of the five of us. I think you probably are the most positive towards it. So let's hear from you. Um, Certainly. I I think one thing before we wrap up, um, we have to just mention that Yams fits in this were absolutely fire. Oh, Oh, 10 out of 10 for the fits alone. I don't have a face anymore. For God's sake, melt they it should off. have a warning to put sunglasses on before they <laughs> see it. That was like, should we should we should we mimic some of those outfits for our thirtieth birthday party? I think I think next year Halloween we should just all be different be different. Dif- different versions of Yam in this movie. We should just <laughs> different cosplay. suit. Yeah, orange and blue and just yellow suits. Yeah, just just go in. We we had a we had a debate on the last uh, on the Spider Man round table we discussed whether or not tom holland was a hot dude i think there's no question when it comes to yam yeah that's oh, yam or, is or, certainly or gruff oh yam could get the yam <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude yam is a smoke show um at at minimum like this this should be nominated for a best costume design just for yam i hope it wins just because whoever decided to put those outfits together like deserves all the recognition in the world. Kudos, endless kudos to to them. Um, in in terms of like grading out this movie, I think uh, three cats. What you said in terms of when when you're making a sequel, um, like are you making it because there is a story to tell? Uh, is a big question. And I think for for this movie, it seems like and it sounds like I think there was a headline today that Warner Brothers was going to make a Matrix Four no matter what. Um, and then Lana like heard that. I think her sister heard it as well. And they were like, let's, let's, you know, let's write it ourselves. And I think this whole movie is just a huge double middle fingers to everything that has come after the original matrix. Um, and kind of how it like warped our sense of, of movies and, and just like media in general and like how we consume things and what we consume, what we you know choose to be important, what we think is culturally significant, all of that. Um, I think that that first Matrix movie definitely like warped our brains in terms of how we think about things, and I think this movie is just a, a big fu to to all of that on both sides, whether it be the corporate suit side that's just like, hey, we're gonna make another Matrix movie because we know that's gonna make a lot of money, and also like everything that you know in terms of audiences and how we how we view things and you know we want to be to be woke and and all of that it's just she's just saying f you to everyone um and i just absolutely 
adored that. I, I thought that was that was great because I'm a very sour and bitter person, especially when it comes to the state of the movie industry. Um, and it's nice to see a filmmaker who agrees with my, you know, my sentiments about, about, you know, where we are. Um, I dug this man. I really, really dug this. I think out of 10, I'm at like, I'm like pushing an eight, but I think I'm at like a 7.7. 7. I really, really no way home numbers. <laughs> It's not at all a no way home number. It's pretty um, there, dude. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's interesting that it came out a week after No Way Home because No Way Home is like a perfect example of of how, how good a movie is, yeah. worked, um, both on like the production and consumption side. And this movie is just like the perfect response to that kind of thing. Um, so I really loved it. it. It's actually the one thing I'll say about what we just said is that's funny. I actually did not know that about. Warner Brothers doing it no matter what. That kind of recontextualizes that Groff line. Where I, he's like, I, our parent company, Warner Brothers, is going to do Matrix 4 no matter what. Oh, I yeah. took that to be the implication. Oh, that yeah. That was, that was 100% literal. And I, I think, ju- just to add one more thing, like, uh, I think Warner Brothers as a movie studio is kind of like, you can even see it with what they're doing with DC. Like, they're just allowing filmmakers to be filmmakers, which is really cool. There's not like the whole... Disney, Marvel, everything needs to be connected and there needs to be a plan of what's going to happen. And this, um, is all, this is all to just get more people in the seats and continued, continuing to buy our products and stuff. I think Warner Brothers is just like, let's just, uh, you know, if if Matt Reeves wants to make a totally off the wall Batman movie, like, go for it, dude. Um, I think they did try and failed miserably, though. You got you have to. Recognize yeah. And I that. think that they're realizing that this is a better template for filmmaking than what than trying to copy the the disney format half and half yes i they are doing it i can't disagree they're doing it but they're they're not going to stop the justice league verse either no but at least they're allowing sure at least they allowed Zack snyder to make Zack snyder's movie instead of telling him to connect everything and build a universe well we'll Uh, see what deadpool 3 is like dude no deadpool 3 will probably will probably change my mind on on all of it that's the barometer <laughs> for civilization. Yeah, exactly. So you're coming around. <laughs> Raph, very nicely said. Thank you. Uh, it, it's, hold on. Uh, can I be heard? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. I can it hear seems you. like there's a weird uh, audio thing happening, but whatever, it's fine. Uh, okay. Um, gentlemen, thank you. Uh, so this film... This is this is a tricky one for me, man, because the truth is I am biased towards the Matrix franchise. The truth is I out love there, the Michael. Matrix. I am biased towards it. Um, ultimately, what I have to consider and look at is okay, what is this film about, right? And I think when you try to boil it down, the the part that we all love, I think, pretty unanimously, is that first hour, right? Why do we love that first hour? I think it comes down to a line that Neil Patrick Harris has in his big expositionary bit when Neo finally goes back to Trinity and we find out that MPH is the bad guy. He says, and the whole point of why the machines use the Matrix is to produce energy, right? And he says to Thomas Anderson, he says to him, he's like, you guys produce the most energy when you're the most miserable. And when you're the most miserable, is when you're so close to getting what you want, but still so fearful of losing what you have. And that 
I think is really what Lana is going for in this movie is how willing, especially these days, right, in 2021, how willing the human race is to not have what they want, but to still be content with what they have. This idea about a perspective of uh, an artificial perspective of machines that they have on humanity, contemporarily, what that looks like is the first hour of this movie. It is a miserable man who's doing the job that he loves and yet is forced to taint his artistic vision doing the job that he loves by a company that has more power than he has, just as the position that the director finds herself in. So, truthfully, I have never seen anything like that. I think that's amazing. Uh, I think that carries this film pretty damn far in spite of where the back end of it leads us to. I think that the first half of this movie is better than how bad the second half of this movie is. So I'm kind of in between uh, Banana, Welsh, and Raph here. I think I'm kind of in the 7 out of 10 range, I think. Uh, on a good day, I think maybe it could go higher. On a bad day, I think maybe it can go lower. But that's sort of where I'm landing. Is today you, a good day? Can you tell everyone why you texted us after you watched the movie, though? After I watched uh, the first time I watched it, I have since changed my mind. So what, did you, what was it you said? I, I, I forgot what exactly. What it was not admissible in court. I forgot. So not enough <laughs> Doctor Strange. I was waiting for Neil Patrick Harris to reveal himself as Mephisto. <laughs> Something about No Way Home being a better film, uh, slightly. I, I think that yeah, I'll have to go back and read the transcript. I'll, I'll circle back on the next round table. <laughs> I want where's I need Matt Murdock. <laughs> He's a very good lawyer to catch a brick. <laughs> um, oh wow, uh, it's Mrs. Cats. Hello, <laughs> Mrs. Three Cats. It's six cats. I don't she can hear you. I'm Mrs. Cats. Mrs. Three Cats, what did you think of The Matrix Resurrected? This stream's gone on too long and no one really is going to listen to like three hours of the Matrix. It's a commentary wrist. I couldn't even sit through the movie. The podcaster makers. It's a commentary wrist. The podcasters were making a choice that criticizes the structure of the forces of their lives. Yeah, this is really a podcast about the state of podcasting right now. Whoa. So deep. The Matrix is just one long podcast. To my co-host, Raph, and to all of our guests, all the Shans we've had here, this has been lovely. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. I would like each of you to tell us who you are and where you can be found. Starting with Mr. Bananas. Uh, you can find me. I uh, you can find me on twitch.com. Twi- sorry, not twitch.com. Twitch.tv slash no banana suits. Twitter.com slash no banana suits or at no banana suits. Um, same thing on TikTok. Um, come find me. Often have Mr. Rocco and Welsh, and sometimes uh, three three cats makes an appearance. No Raph yet, but we're 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 gonna reach out to his agent and maybe he'll <laughs> he'll agree to join the stream one day. Contact intern Dan. <laughs> and i'll have to do that uh 
but yeah, yeah, come hang out with us there too. We we stream there pretty often. We're always chatting about uh, the same kind of shit, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Banana suits. Thank you very much. Three cats. Who the who are you? Um, I'm nobody you should care about nor listen to. Uh, you probably can't find me, but if you're looking for me, I will be the Twitter account that's usually in Straits of DVDs mentions. That's either talking about uh, my passions in life, which are Shen Yun and Clifford the Big Red Dog. Everybody should go watch Clifford the Big Red Dog. It was the best movie of 2021. Is that the next roundtable? I have to plug. Hell yeah. Do, we have to, do you have to pay for that movie? Is it free anywhere? No, I purchased it twice, though, so I own it, so you can come over and we can watch it. <laughs> okay, that's acceptable. I've paid, I have $40 worth of equity in <laughs> the Big Red Dog. <laughs> Wait, you bought, I'm, I'm sorry, hold on, Welsh, we'll get to you in just a second. I, I, need to, I need to clarify this. You purchased this film twice, digitally. Yeah, that's, that's correct, on different subscription accounts. <laughs> I'm going to buy you a physical copy, too, when it comes out. Oh, 4K please, Blu-ray, baby. Please do. It is fantastic. <laughs> I want to see the behind the scenes where they train the dog who plays Clifford. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Uh, Welsh, who are you? Where can you be found? Hi, my name is Sean Welsh Brown. I am a computer programmer these days, but I've also been an actor and a voiceover artist for many years. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, Sean Welsh Brown, uh, full name. I don't post too much industry stuff these days, but if you want to see fun pictures of me doing things with my life or occasionally, very occasionally tweeting about tech game related things, uh, you can find me there. I might get more involved in the uh, Straits DVD mentions as well. So if you want to talk about films, games, I'm your guy. Dude, they can find you in Azeroth. It's true. <laughs> I voiced characters in World of Warcraft, if anybody still plays that. <laughs> Uh, you can hear my melodious dulcet tones in there. Dude, thank Hell you for yeah. sharing your melodious yeah. dulcet tones to Dude, the podcast. Dude, plug away. Dude, thanks for, thanks for having me. Let, me. let me talk. It's been great. Raphael, Yo. the other half. Who are you? Where Dog. can you be found, King? The other half. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for, for joining us to Bananas and Three Cats. Thanks for coming on again. Welsh. Thank you for your first appearance. It's been great. Hopefully, we can do more of these uh, these roundtables in the future. I, I, I think they're they're a ton of fun, um, and it also just lightens the load for for me and Rock. We have we have to do less talking, um, which is cool. But I can be found on Twitter and Instagram and on Letterboxd at Rapstit, all one word, R A F S T I T T. Um, I'm also going to do a quick plug for my writing. If you want to see me writing words about movies, I can be found on Screen Age Wasteland, screenagewasteland.com. You can also check out their Twitter. I don't know if they have an Instagram, but you can uh, if you want to read what I have to say about movies as opposed to just listening to what I have to say about movies, I can be found there. Very nice. Thank you, Raf. And of course, last and least, I am Michael Rocco. <laughs> you can find me on the Instagrams. Michael underscore Romeo underscore Rocco underscore three cats is, is making the face. It is the, it is the face of fromage, dude. It is the face of cheese. It's the face of a man who posts about cheese. So if you want to see that, if you want to see photos of really well-crafted fromage, tune in, you know, swing by, say hi, you, you know, let me, what's your favorite cheese? 
Yeah, we, you know, come on, burrata noodles, fresh nudes, whatever you want, man. Fresh nudes. Tune in, dude. I've seen, seen burrata in a in a minute. Yeah, well, I got too many you, memes. It, we don't want you to post memes. I'm not posting memes. I've yeah, actually yeah, it's I have too a many. I want some actually, drippy cheese. I just made some dude. ghost pepper sauce, and I was thinking drip forest king. <laughs> I, I I actually I tasted it. It kind of ruined my night. Um, but you know, here we are. Uh. And in addition to that, you can find both Raph and myself and our new three guests at the podcast proper. That's straight to DVD pod. That's the number two straight to DVD pod on Twitter, on Instagram. And you can find the pod proper on Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your podcast. It's where you can find it. And that's us, baby. Gentlemen, thank you once again. This has been fantastic. Leave leave a, a rate and review. On, on any of your podcast platforms it uh it helps other folks find the show so if you dig what we're doing maybe uh pay it forward a little bit and we'll we'll love you for that like subscribe smash the bell icon for notifications morpheus yeah. rate review and subscribe or tech bro smith will find you trinity yeah we'll unplug you from the matrix if you don't if you don't follow and subscribe <laughs> Oh yeah, can we talk? They were literally fucking Sequoia, the 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 handler. He's about to unplug Jesus. <laughs> He's about to unplug him. He was about to kill Jesus Christ, dude. That's Lana's only goal, I guess. Damn, <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, gentlemen, thank you once again, everyone who's tuning in to listen. Thank you. It's a new year. The next time you see us, you hear us, it'll be twenty twenty two. This is the last episode of this year, gentlemen. I'm so glad we could have all we could all have you on here. This has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy 2016, everybody. Later. Seven hangries. <laughs>